Hello and welcome to So What You're Saying Is, I'm Peter Whittle. Now, my guest today is known as one of the nicest men in British <laughs> politics. Simon Richards is Chief Executive of the Freedom Association. The Freedom Association was formed back in the 1970s. He joined it as a schoolboy in 1976. Since then, it's become well known for its various campaigns, such as Axe the TV Tax and indeed Better Off Out. But its main guiding principles has been uh, the promotion of freedom, individual freedom, and freedom of expression. Uh, Simon, thank you very, very much for coming in. Absolute um, pleasure. It, it might be a, a good thing to start off with your original, as it were, mission statements, maybe the wrong way of putting it, but that is the protection and promotion of freedom and individual liberty. Uh, where are we at the moment with freedom? What's the state of freedom in Britain? Well, if I may just say that um, you, you very accurately laid out what we're about, but I would add just one thing, which I think yeah. makes us very different from the m numerous other groups on the sort of libertar broadly libertarian yeah. sort of centre-right, and that's we've always had the belief in the, 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 the nation-states. We've always felt that nationhood is important. Right. And you won't get that, uh, I think, in you know, the Adam Smith Institute or the Centre for Policy Studies and you know, the org organisations such as that. Um, and, and I think that, in a way, leads me on to answer you, you know, attempting to answer your, your, your question, uh, which is that we have, it seems to me, we have now all manner of petty freedoms. Um, you know, we, we have a hundred different choices of, um, of washing powder, you know. Um, mm -hmm. you know we, we can go pretty much anywhere we want in the world. You know, we can listen to any bit of music on Spotify or whatever. You know, we can buy any, but we can, you know, so we have those, what I call sort of low-grade freedoms, which are very nice, you know, very pleasant. Uh, we've never had more of those. Uh, and that, in a way, has been that I think what, what has suffered has been freedom of thought right. and freedom of expression, which I think has been deliberately closed down by the left. So uh, you're saying maybe that freedom is not the same as just choice. What you're talking about is choice, surely, yes, isn't it? That, that, that's true. Um, so we have plenty of choice, but um, in reality, um, the, uh, the really big issues, what I call the, I, I was always a big fan of George Orwell, and the, the, what it's called those big Orwellian issues, if you like, yeah. you know, of, 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 of real freedom to, to speak and to think and to, to dare, dare say, um, that the, 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 uh, those are the issues I think that have been closed down. Uh, so you think that compared to when you joined as a as a as a as a schoolboy, that essentially we are less free on that front. Unquestionably, in my view, I didn't want to um, make out that it was all perfect then. I mean, I remember being at university when the left had a, a no platform for racists and fascists. Mm. It's not as new as people think, and I, I can remember seeing um, Hayek, for example. 
um, banned from speaking at the London School of Economics yeah. um, on those grounds. Keith Joseph was on numerous occasions. Um, I, I chaired a meeting with Rhodes, Dr. Rhodes Boyson, um, who's a then very famous sort of conservative educationalist, yeah. um, and, uh, and and it was broken up by left-wing thugs from the LSE across the road. I was at King's College London, uh, and so. You know, I'm not pretend, and, and there was an enormous violence there. I mean, I can remember going to Conservative Party conferences, and you know, you had to fight your way through the the, the picket. So, it, it, a lot of this goes back perhaps further than we think, but I think that um, it's become more insidious, and I think the left's hold over the media um, and, and, and has become much more powerful. I think. In those days, the BBC, for example, I don't think was as biased as it has become. Uh, and, uh, and also, I think the universities were much smaller then, mm. um, and uh, fewer of them. In my case, there were only 3,000 at my university, about 30,000 now. But, um, and there seems to be a university in virtually every town. And so that whole, um, what I call, guardianist yeah, uh, commentary yeah. at the u university, so to speak, Often people doing absolutely worthless degrees to, to, yes. no, to no benefit of themselves or anybody else, I think has created this wonderful breeding ground for um, for, for, for left wing ideas, which is closing any any, any alternative view down. But back in say 1975, when the thing was started, and when when you joined, when you were very 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 young, is it right to say therefore that? you were looking at freedom and issues about freedom in economic terms. You know, you mentioned the nation, yes. you said we've always believed in the nation state, yep. although at the time, surely then, people didn't talk much about the nation state, did they? It was, um, it, it, you're, you're right, it was principally seen as e e economics, you know, and remembers all the strikes yes. uh, and, and, you know, the and national industries going down the pan, Britain being the sick man of Europe and all of that. And yes, I think that was my main motivation. I have to say on a personal note, if I may go back yeah, even further yeah, yeah. than my school days, the very first sort of political memory I ever had, uh, and it, it's really stuck with, with me, and I suppose one embellishes these things at the time, was when um, I must have been about, was about five, five or six years old, uh, watching Churchill's funeral. Right. Um, now, I'm not, you know, I wasn't a Tory boy like um, William Hague, you know, I wasn't, you know, reading political speeches no, no. <laughs> that, that time. Um, but I was obviously a little bit interested. And of course, mm. that was a massive event. And the thing is, I, I loved history. I'd read all about history, about this country, you know, about, uh, and, and everything. And, and, and I think I saw this, obviously, this last great, perhaps last great world leader that we had and revered him. And then... Afterwards, I saw Harry Wilson, you know, sort of in his Gannex Mac and talking about the pound in your pocket and, you know, and it was a terrible shock to me. I yeah. felt this was a, you know, we were really something special in this country. Uh, and uh, that, and then we just seemed to be a nation, as far as I could see, that just had lost any self-belief. Yes. Uh, as nations do, you know, if you look at, you know, Italy, you know, the great, you know, the country that created the Roman Empire, you know, by the 19th century, you know, you'd get these tourists going to Venice, you know, a, a massive admirer of the Venetian Republic, which yeah. had a huge influence on this country, um, uh, this country's politics and economics. Um, but, uh, you know, you'd get British tourists going there and saying, you know, the, the, the locals just sort of seemed to 
just not have any sort of any get up and go you know they're just sort of slouching around they're, they're ignorant and uh, you know and it, these countries you know, nations can change dramatically fast you know I, I often feel now when you look at the victorians the self-belief that they had you know that that van that had vanished by the 70s we'd come to mm. believe i think we'd gone from the one extreme of thinking we could do anything to thinking that we couldn't do it, we couldn't do anything. Yeah. And I suppose a big turning point then for me was afterwards, uh, 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 that was always in the back of my mind. I think it came to the fore with what was for me was the, thing, uh, the most, the, 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 the occasion that had the biggest impact on me after that, which was the Falklands War. Right. And that, that's where I think it changed from for me, from being principally about economics to actually being more important than that. And that was a huge eye-opener for me. You know, it was only a tiny fraction mm -hmm. of <laughs> what mm -hmm. people had gone through in the Second World War, but it just gave you an inkling. And I particularly remember that point when uh, initially everybody was you know, getting on the side and wanted to support us. And then when it was clear that we were actually going to fight, mm -hmm. um, the, um, they all sort of backed away. But it it just gave a tiny feel of what it might have been like in the, the in 1940 for people yes. when actually it was only when everybody else had you know given up yeah. that i think we became we, we regained our self belief thanks to churchill and this time that thanks to that church. and there was a there was a blessed relief about not having to sort of think oh you know we can't say this cuz it'll upset the spanish we just thought right we're going to do this these are the things that stay in our minds certainly the things that stay in my mind like yours are uneconomic national events, whether yes. they are Churchill's funeral, whether they are I don't know some big celebration, yeah. or uh, you know whatever, and, and same with the Falklands. You mentioned the Falklands there, and there obviously it's been this great TV documentary about Thatcher that's been going brilliant. on, which, is, brilliant. which yep. is great. Uh, and I think to be fair, reasonably even-handed. Very, very much so, I thought. But the point is really is that that was a time where, as you're saying, it appeared that. The country had got some self-belief back, maybe compared to the 1970s. It seems surely that that has seeped away again. Maybe I, I would completely agree. I mean, um, I was I was always interested in the cultural side of things, uh, yeah. you know, more than uh, you know, more than any of my contemporary sort of right wingers, um, and. Uh, and, and so I remember buying a book in that called Authors Take Sides on the Falklands. And I think there were only about three that, that were in favour um, mm, of the war, mm. um, very strongly so. I remember Kingsley Amis was one, uh, Roald Dahl was another, um, and I can't even remember who the third one was. But, uh, um, but the, they were overwhelmingly, about 90% against you. It's all the great playwrights, you know, the Alan Bennett's of this world, you know, the, um, and, and the left-wing establishment, then they were hostile to the war. So there was, I think, there was an element of this uh, then that mm. these sort of they were, what I call these rather effete sort of you know um, le left liberal um, people who you know thought oh, it's, it's frankly infantile to fight to defend your to defend your country. Oh yes, and I remember going mm. to see a play called Sink the Belgrano, which was uh, I yes. think I think it was with Stephen Burkoff. I, I, yeah. I think it was, but I mean that's what you kind of expect in a way from the arts establishment. Yeah. But, but you are right; it has got much worse. Uh, but then why? You see, it seems if one is going to take a, a really uh, doom-laden approach, if you like. You could say that when Thatcher was around, that 
suddenly there was a bit of an electric bolt went through something. But then when she had gone, it's almost as though we carried on the, on our way down in uh, that yeah. way. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right there. Uh, uh, the, the thing is that really, ever since Thatcher, I think the, this nation state has been undermined in so many ways. Mm. Obviously, the European Union is, is one of the, the principal ways. But I think you've just had a breed of politicians. It's actually been like back to the 60s to me, um, who, you know, see see themselves as career politicians managing decline uh, and in in a way I think had it not been for Thatcher I mean for, take the Falklands for example I'm sure they I'm sure someone like Philip Hammond would love to get rid of the Falklands mm. um, but because that is a, a become a sort of iconic thing now you know that if, if you go weak on the Falklands you know you, you'd, be, you'd be looking you know very feeble no, none of them dare do it so she's you know I think what she did has uh, it's in a way made us a, a bit more ready to fight than in some ways we were before her. Um, the, but I think the problem is a, a series of, of ill-judged wars, I think, have really undermined that. And mm. of course, you know, the, the, particularly, I think, the Second Gulf War mm. uh, and this sense that, um, and uh, Blair, that, 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 that the it wasn't think being, things being done for for Britain, but um, for some sort of concept maybe to please the Americans. And personally, I was not a neocon, mm. um, and I think that the neocon concept damaged things. You know, there's this idea of you going in to interfere in the Middle East. You know, well, well, you know. Let's be honest, those, those regimes were pretty rotten, but often what happened as a result afterwards was even worse. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, and I, I think it, that was because it suddenly became fine to have um, military intervention um, to, 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 to change another country's um, type of government. Um, but not fine to sort of say, oh yes, we'll do this to defend British interests. Mm. Uh, and I just think there's been this long undermining of the nation state. We all know that immigration's a part of that. Um, mm. And um, my own view on that is uh, I'm all for immigration. I think you have to have it. The, the most successful societies, the United States and the United Kingdom, I think you can argue the two most successful societies over the past 300 years have always been open to immigrants. But these things are a numbers game. Um, you said that we're not wrong. really, I, I don't think I've come across very many people who, who do not like who, who do not like immigration in principle, or should I say, have they don't have a problem with immigration in principle? You know, it's not a question of that. As you say, it's entirely that we are not talking really about that anymore. We're talking on historically unprecedented scale, and that yeah, entirely changes exactly. the whole thing. Yeah. I just want to want to go back to something you were saying. I think it's mm. very very interesting and very good point. Uh, this point about freedom and choice, you know, and yeah. that we have micro freedoms. I remember when I was living in America, you would go down the aisle in the supermarket and there'd be a hundred different forms of salad dressing. And you sort of think, I have amazing choice. Is this freedom? Well, no, not really, because freedom exists in, you, in your head, doesn't it, really? Yep. Um, do you think there's anything in this view, which I have certainly heard, is that people are quite happy with that kind of freedom and essentially don't really feel passionately about the bigger freedoms anymore. Do, do you I, think that's true? Yes, I, 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 sadly I think there is a lot of truth in that. 
and I think it's partly an age thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, as we saw in the, I hate to come back to the, the EU referendum all the time, but um, there was no doubt that I think for a lot of the sort of younger generation, you know, they just saw it as a nice, again, it's a choice, you know, oh, I can go, you know, from weekend to Paris or, or whatever, which of course they could have done before, but, but they didn't, I don't think they realised they could have done it before. Yes. Um, and um, because, you know, you, you tend to know your own experience. Uh, and um, so, uh, yes, I, I, th I think that that is crucial. Thing. I, and I think it's almost like an exchange. I think in, in the same way, MPs, um, the MPs, it seems to me, so, uh, in terms of sort of a, an, a, an unspoken sort of Faustian pact, um, where the in exchange for them having better pay, better, you know, shorter hours, better conditions, uh, you know, and, and generally better life at Westminster, um, the, you know, where they used to just have a little, you know, cubbyhole. Um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, um, the, in exchange for all of that, and also for an extension of the political class through uh, through things like the, the Scottish Parliament, the Welsh Assembly, even dare I mention you know, your own assembly. So the political class has done very nicely out of that and yeah. has grown and everything, but what they gave away was uh, w was was power, um, mm. and uh, the, the, they became emasculated in my opinion. Mm. And the you know I mean, the House of Commons has never you know attempted any sort of real. Um, uh, it, 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 to, 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 to hold the EU to account. Yeah. Uh, and in, it, it re resembles to me what Louis XIV did to the um, French nobility. Um, that uh, he, he, he sort of tore down all their castles and everything, brought them all to, to Versailles and gave them all sorts of wonderful you know, balls and, and yeah, parties. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, uh, and I, I see a, a great deal of that around and I think in, in, in the same way that, yes, I think you're right, people, uh, the people have confused um, choice with, with freedom. Um, and the truth is, you know, if you if you've got a decent standard of living and you're able to go on nice holidays and you know you've got a roof over your head why would you be angry you know when you look at the, the revolutions they tend to be where people are starving don't they yeah um you know that that uh, i remember that one in tunisia which launched that's around spring that was somebody set fighters yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's when people feel desperate and and we almost need to feel more desperate for people to really care about freedom i think that is true, yes, if you are talking, again, in economic terms, yep. either that they yes. are yep. you know, re yep. reasonably happy economically, materially speaking. Yep. There is a growing sense, surely, that people feel more and more hedged around when it comes to freedom of expression, i.e. not an economic thing. Or, indeed, maybe they e do they care enough about that even? Yes. I, I I'm just being devil's advocate yeah, here. No, 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 I, I agree with you. Uh, I mean, I think um, the, the come back to this economic uh, 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 argument. Um, I'm, I'm from South Wales um, originally, and um, something that really angered me was after the EU referendum. Again, um, the, uh, the, uh, Joanna Trollope wrote a diary piece in the Spectator. She was plugging their book as those diary pieces always do, uh, and she was going on a tour around um, South Wales. And she put this piece and she said, what is wrong with these people? Everywhere I go, I see paid for by the European Union, European Union did this, European Union did that. 
and yet they, 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 they people voted overwhelmingly to, to leave. Mm. And I thought that, in yeah. a way, encapsulates yes, yeah. what is so wrong. The people cannot understand, and um, particularly, I think, the, the rather well-off chattering classes <laughs> uh, the, who, who rule us now, the sort of guardianists of types, and I mean, I'm, I don't think she's even a left-winger, um, but they just don't uh, get it no, no, that, no, no, you know, no, no. that there's no. more to, to it than that. And I, I must admit, I tend to find, you know, I, I'm not based in London, uh, and you stay out of the Westminster Village a bit, don't you? I like to have a sort of toe here, um, yeah. you know, but, uh, but for example, in the referendum campaign, um, I was one of the very, very few people who thought that we were going to win, the Leave side was going to win, right, okay. because I was going around the West Country and the West Midlands. Um, it wasn't that I was more anti-EU, it's just that I, wasn't sucked, I hadn't been sucked into the... So, and you know, a lot of people I know, very, very staunch anti-EU people, didn't think we had, had a hope because you know all their pals in London were telling them, of course, oh, we were staying. Um, but um, I, I, I digress a bit there. But uh, but I, I think the further away you go from from London, yeah. the more people value these freedoms. Yes, actually, they yes. haven't all been sucked into it, um, and it's a big change because one of the big differences I was felt between the Britain and France, well, there are plenty of them, but it was that. There has always been this enormous hostility between Paris and the rest of the country, yeah. uh, and uh, and really, it, there was nothing approaching that in this country. You know, the the links with London were much more friendly. I think. Oh, and that much has more, changed. Yes, yes. That, I, I say really the same. It's the same, really, in, in some ways with the states. The attitude to New York or the yeah. attitude to, to the West Coast. Um, yeah. I mentioned at the beginning of the program about one of your campaigns, which I imagine is still maybe ongoing, which is Axe the TV yes, very much so. tax. Yeah. And I, I just wonder, this is of course about the BBC licence fee. Yeah. Uh, how far along do you think we are with that? Do you think that compared to when you started the campaign, um, that in fact there is a general acceptance now that this simply cannot go on? Or, you see, this might be something where actually it's economics or technology which actually you know really you know deliver the final yep. blow might it not be netflix uh, i think there's truth in that. it's a little bit like the eu you know i mean it took you know 40 years to get that referendum um, yes, and yes. Still not gone yes. Through. and i think it's the same with the bbc there is drip 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 growing hostility to it and as you rightly say it's become less defensible because of technology yes um netflix in particular but i have to admit i mean um i um i i don't i don't have a television um, I watch everything on um, on my mobile or my mm -hmm. tablet or whatever, mm. um, and uh, you know it, it's all um, it's all online, um, and uh, and and I'm an old fuddy-duddy, you know. Mm. This is what you know people in the sort of teens and twenties are, are like, and it, it's a, so yes, I think it's a, in a way it's a perfect storm. Yes, exactly. But I think yes, unfortunately, exactly. yeah, in yeah. practical terms, I think we're going to have to <laughs> just watch that build up and build up and build up because. The last re charter review, um, which you know, we've been campaigning quite heavily before that to try to get um, you know, some, some major changes there. And I think John Whittingdale you know, was up for, up for that. I'm not saying everything that we would have wanted. But then didn't he drop it pretty quickly at one Well, point, the thing is, he was, he, it, it, what happened, uh, and uh, uh, certainly as I understood it, was that Dave Cameron coming up with, with the refer referendum coming up, um, essentially 
forced, a, a, a completely caved into the BBC. And what Osborne um, got this deal where the BBC, I mean, it was like blackmail really, that the B BBC agreed to pay for all the um, old people's licences, you know, mm. all that free, which had in the past been paid for by the government. Mm. So Osborne was happy, you know, it was a bit of money pushed from the Treasury to, to, to the, to the to the TV licence payer, um, and uh, and Cameron, as m my understanding of it, was that Cameron wanted the BBC to, you know, not be hostile with the general election oh, well. and the referendum. Good luck with that. And, <laughs> and, and really, Whittingdale was forced, yeah. you know, and, and, and was most unhappy um, about it. Um, uh, his hand was forced, and unfortunately, it was all done very quickly. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, you know, it was one of these dirty deals, um, and uh, and and. The problem is with the time schedule now. Um, it, uh, all we can really do is is try and build up that head of steam, but nothing in practice is going to be done about it. I think until the next review, which is quite a way off. Um, but but I, I do think it you know it, it is becoming more and more indefensible. That, yeah. And and also it, the loyalty to it actually is. <laughs> It tends to be from the older people. I mean, my my mum, for example. I mean, she, she wouldn't even consider watching the news on anything other than BBC. Yes, yeah. uh, and a whole generation like that is a group. You know, um, Richard Dimbleby, who was a broadcaster and mm. genius, yeah. um, a lot better than sons <laughs> in my opinion. But uh, uh, and uh, and so there is still, you know, the, there's still a great affection for the BBC, but it, it, it's vanishing day by day. I mean, I love Test Match Special, mm. but you, you know, there was, um, when, when we were in the West Indies, the um, talk sport, you know, um, did it and actually did it very, very mm. well. So mm. gradually it, it, it's, it, it's, it's going. Uh, so I, I'm fairly confident that it will wither away in some form. Maybe turn into, a, you want a subscription service, isn't yeah, that right? That's right, right yeah. I, I think there's a lot of argument about the best, best mm. way to do it. But uh, I, you know, I think that, that I mean, John Whittingdale's view was that essentially it, it should concentrate on things that could only be done by a public service broadcaster. Yes, so yes. You know, it doesn't need to be doing um, you know, sort of, um, you know, talent shows and things like that, which ITV can do perfectly well. Um, but actually, I mean, I don't know if you watch any of the, the D-Day coverage, mm. but um, by and large, that, I thought the BBC did that pretty well. Yeah, they, they, they do things not quite as uh, regularly good as they used to be I in, in these things. I mean, some, they, did, they did that well. Yeah. They did the Diamond Jubilee terribly, if you yeah, remember. I do remember. Example. Awful. Um, so there's that kind yeah. of sureness of touch just, I think, I, kind I, of I, I do agree. The, the chap on Sky, I think, tends to do the royal events better. Yes, yes. yes exactly. um, one thing before we, we finish, actually, so I wanted to ask you about as well is, You've started these things called the Freedom Zones, which you have at party conferences. Yep. But you've also set up the Freedom Association Societies and various universities, haven't you? This, it seems to me, is one area where freedom of expression, despite what you said earlier, um, is really seriously under attack, isn't it? No this question is, about yeah. that. Uh, and uh, that's what I want to concentrate on. <laughs> I've been a bit delayed in going further ahead with it. We, we used to have some very successful freedom societies around, but the minute Brexit took over everything, yes. and Brexit didn't play that well with students, generally, um, that um, it, we, and we, we didn't have the resources to do Brexit and that. So it's a very reluctantly sort of backed off it. And I desperately want to get out there again, because 
I was very influenced, in back to some early influences, by Keith Joseph. Mm. Um, and yes. um, actually, he was shown in those very good BBC Thatcher films. Um, and I'll never forget Keith Joseph. I mean, I, I saw him on a number of occasions. Uh, and he was an amazing man. And he, he was like John the Baptist. He, he, he was sort of was preaching. He wasn't a religious thing, but uh, but um, he, he, he was he was preaching the gospel, really, the gospel yeah. of, of freedom, of free enterprise, everything. And he would take on his audiences. Oh, they are, exactly. Uh, he was fearless, wasn't yeah. he? He was fearless. And he, he had this brilliant way he would finish. Always yeah. something that he said, if the, if, the, if the Berlin Wall were to come down to, to, tomorrow, which way would the tide of humanity flow? This yes, was the time yeah. of the Soviet Empire, and that always silenced them. Uh, and, uh, and I think if we can, it's not, uh, you know, I, I'm not a Keith Joseph, <laughs> not in his class, but there are other good people, the likes of Dan Hannon and many, mm, many mm, others. Mm. Um, you know, the, many of them feature on, on your, your programmes. I, I think the, uh, where, where you might be at a, a good time for this is that students maybe are less likely, we all hear about party allegiances gradually weakening, they're more likely to go to a not explicitly partisan, uh, party partisan movement um, at a university, something like the Freedom Association or whatever. I think you're absolutely right, that, and I often sort of joke when I'm there, so that uh, the the F word is a much easier sell to students yes. than the C word. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think you freedom and conservatism, <laughs> yeah. of course. No. Um, yeah. uh, but um, uh, and and um, it is. It, it's yeah. it, and actually, it's a softer word. Than, I mean, there are other people on our again probably the same side of us who push the libertarian thing. But I think the minute you say libertarian, a lot of people who aren't really political geeks switch off. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas freedom, it, it yes, it's more woolly, um, but people can understand it a bit better. Well, look, thank you very, very much for coming here, Simon. It's great to talk to you and uh, to hear more about the work that you do. And um, I hope maybe you come back and talk a bit more about uh, freedom in the future with us. So um, thank you very much. Um, we will see you next time on So What You're Saying Is. Uh, if you haven't already, please do subscribe, won't you? Thanks very much indeed. Thank you. <laughs>